Hi there. Welcome to semester seven, episode 10 of the Ivy Wise Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the complex college admissions landscape. Believe it or not, this is the last episode of the season. This season, we've been cracking the code, translating common admission speak. We've been decoding and defining some commonly used admissions language and terms. We kicked off the season with what is an admissions committee? And we've defined many admissions terms along the way. Thank you so much for joining us throughout the season and for this final episode of the year. And don't worry, we'll be back in the spring with a new season, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it at the end of the episode. As always, I'm Tasha, your host. I'm a counselor at IvyWise, a former international admissions officer at USC, and former assistant director of international admissions at Boston University. My guest is Kimberly, a former assistant director of admission at Rice University and former senior associate director of admission at Vassar College, and an IvyWise principal counselor with me. Hi, Kim. Hey, Tasha. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I'm excited to be finishing off the season with you. I'm so excited to have you on before before we head out for the break. So so today we're going to be tackling actually two related commonly used admissions terms, and they're very similar. These terms are FLAT and LMO. Now we'll be answering the question, what does it mean to be FLAT or LMO? LMO is kind of a handful. I'll be trying to not not get all uh, tongue-tied when I say that. All right, we want to just kind of introduce these terms first before we really dig in to make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah, thank you for that, Tasha. I think the important thing here is to give just a little bit of a disclaimer about these because these are going to be used really in a selective or highly selective context when admission officers are really thinking about differentiating among exceptional applicants within the pool. And so they may sound negative, but please keep in mind that they're not intended to be because it's really about comparing and understanding students who may have a lot of similarities, but are incredibly strong across the board. So keep that in mind as we move through, um, and we'll try to give a lot of context as well. Absolutely. So so as I said, you know, this season has been all about just kind of defining terms that maybe you've heard or read about and just making sure that we kind of add context and give our IvyWise expertise to help define those terms a little bit better. They are terms that sometimes get thrown around within the admissions context when reviewing the many different factors of an applicant's application um, and just wanted to add it to this season with all of the other many, many terms that we have uh, been able to define throughout. All right, so let's get into it without further ado. What does it mean to be flat? Starting with that first term, flat like a flat pancake. I um, apologize that this is going to be a little bit of a cheesy metaphor for this, but when I think about the word flat, you just mentioned pancake, um, and I actually moved to thinking about water, and I think a good way to, to think about it is when you go into a restaurant and your waiter asks you if you want tap water or if you want carbonated water, and if you're feeling particularly fancy, then you get the carbonated water and it's like, oh, this is special. There's bubbles in it. You know, there's a little bit of sparkle. Well, the flat is fine. You know, you're hydrated. It's water. <laughs> we drink it all day long. But it is just sort of missing that little extra element of being unique and distinctive. And so that's really what I think about when we think about the word flat in the context of an application. So flat for me is about presentation. 
it's not necessarily about the students' grades or about their overall profile or about their activities for that matter, but really instead about how the essays and all of it reads together. And so I think one way to think about it is that if a student is really only talking about one aspect of themselves in an application, and so that comes across as a little bit dry and boring, then that's a student that might be considered flat. You know, that's that's a really interesting point. And I, I think I, I've been thinking a lot about this uh, this season as I've been thinking about students being pointy. That is something we talked about much earlier this season is what it means to be pointy or angular. And that is the idea that a student is an expert in their field or in their field of interest, the field that they want to study and that they've been developing an interest in throughout high school, both inside and outside of the classroom, ideally. Angular is that they may have, you know, maybe two, uh, you know, very specific fields that they have this, this, the similar interest or passion in, as opposed to well-rounded, which, you know, in, in a different time in the college admissions world may have been more of the, of the goal, the idea that a student is very good at many different subjects are very uh, invested in many different subjects. And so I bring this up and and I would encourage you to look back at that episode earlier this season, only because the idea of being pointy and then the idea of being flat might be uh, confusing, right? So, So what Kimberly just said is, you know, you might come off as flat if your application is one note, but if you're pointy, doesn't it mean your application is one note? And I bring this up because no, not necessarily. I think it's a subtle and nuanced difference. Uh, Kimberly, does that bring anything to mind for you? Or I'm, I'm happy to continue. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I think this is, of course, the challenge with a lot of this terminology is that there is really subtle nuance here, but there is a fair amount of overlap. I do think that flat is distinctive from the idea of being pointy because a pointy student might be able to talk about numerous different things that feel really unique and distinctive in all of the pieces of their writing or the pieces of the application. But if someone is reading as flat, then we're not necessarily getting all of that sort of unique information or different sides of a student. I think another term here that is also related to the idea of being flat is often saying that a student can read soft too. And for me, that can also be about presentation. And really what it means in the application is that a student really isn't getting specific enough about how they define themselves and how they define really what sets them apart and what they're proud of. And so that, again, can be sort of flat or soft in the context of the pool when we're looking at, again, really exceptional students across the board and trying to really find sort of unique differences in how we shape the class. Definitely. And and I think, as Kimberly said, with, with flatness often being prescribed to maybe a student who, who wrote, let's say, all five of the required supplemental essays for a particular application about the same subject, you know, that could be an, an attempt to be pointy. Um, and certainly, you know, depending on the content of those essays might be very strong and pointy, but could also be interpreted as flat if there is kind of a one note level to those essays, no additional um, kind of demonstration of something else, right? <laughs> Just something else that kind of goes beyond that one subject. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of bring that in and, and give an example of, you know, what what might uh, differentiate a really pointy student from being a flat student in in a particular application supplement is, for example, 
the roommate supplements. Those come up quite often uh, in some highly selective schools. And I've seen students who want to take it as an opportunity to continue to develop their pointiness toward their academic interests and to continue to develop that narrative. But actually that prompt is usually is a prompt that really gives students a lot of creative license to introduce something completely new and different about themselves that might not be elsewhere on their application, right? Oftentimes the other supplements are directing students to be much more academic and specific and pointy. And so that's a great example of, of, of how a student could uh, try to make sure that they aren't perceived as flat or one note by making sure that they take advantage of these more creative application essays, essay prompts rather, to kind of highlight something fun and maybe out of left field. Yeah, Tasha, I think you make a good point with that too. And I think a really sort of succinct way to define that is also personality coming through in the application. And so we're talking in flat and one note and pointy about really being kind of academically focused. But oftentimes those applications can read as sort of lacking the personality, lacking any kind of, I said before, sort of like sparkle um, when it comes to like the water analogy. And I think that 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 can be a piece of it as well. So the roommate questions, like you're saying, I think can be such an amazing opportunity for students to really show those other sides of themselves, to show their engagement with their family or to show unique interests and hobbies that they might have. And that's a way to really add that just additional edge to an application in the presentation um, that can help them stand out. So I want to make sure that we don't fully ignore the secondary term, the second term that we're going to be defining. So we're going to go ahead and define that. And then I promise we will come back to flat and kind of talk about the two terms together and how they relate. So what does LMO mean, this acronym? What does it stand for? And then what does it mean? LMO, which is quite the mouthful, but stands for like many others or like most others in the pool. There are some other related terms here that come out too. So we've often used standard strong um, in committee settings. At a previous institution, we used to define them as fine young people um, as well. And again, these are not derogatory terms. These are these are good applicants by <laughs> every stretch of the imagination. These are exceptional students with amazing academic records and really um, fantastic involvement in their community and um, have shown a lot of engagement. But oftentimes we see students that have a fair amount of overlap in the things that they have pursued in high school, both in terms of the classroom and not. And that's where this term can come from. And so if we're thinking about students who are really engaged in their community, this might be students who are volunteering or who might be part of student council um, or might be a leader of a club. These are all notable things in their own right. But when we're talking about a highly selective context, this can look pretty similar across applicants within that kind of pool. Um, And so that way it just feels like there's not something that really sets them apart from a lot of their other similarly strong students to have them stand out in a pool that's going to be, you're really looking to take just a small number of students and really thinking critically about how they're going to be defining that class. Just to give a kind of a specific example here, I think it's easy to focus on sort of science applicants. And I should also preface this by saying that I'm one of the STEM specialists on staff at IVY. So a lot of the students that I work end up being interested in STEM fields, pre-med, computer science, et cetera. So talking about like a pre-med student, for example, if I'm thinking about a student that looks like many others or who's standard strong, 
this is probably a student that has taken the most rigorous science courses that they're available within the context of their high school. They've probably also volunteered in a hospital setting. They might have done a summer program that's related to something pre-med. All of these show amazing engagement and preparation for their field of study that are going to be sort of pretty typical activities that are going to be seen across the board and in a lot of similar applications. Thank you so much for giving that specific example, Kim, and for for shouting out your expertise here at IvyWise. Definitely. And and I would say that this can come across for, for many different kinds of students. So I will say that prior to receiving this suggestion as a possible topic for this season from from a colleague, I actually had never heard the term LMO um, at my previous institutions. And that just goes to show that, you know, there is no admissions dictionary where where admissions counselors go to, to, to learn how to go about their application reading process. You know, this usually happens internally. And, and so, uh, you know, Kimberly, I appreciate your, um, you introducing some of the other terms that that are similar, right? So I think for me and in my uh, experience, rather than saying LMO, I think, yes, uh, fine young people, absolutely, standard strong, uh, definitely the kinds of maybe categorizations that can be helpful for for those reading applications to figure out, um, to differentiate students who, like Kimberly said, are already so, 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 so strong. For my experience, in the international pool, for example, this sometimes would come up, you know, for students who were perhaps coming off as one note, uh, focusing their entire application on, you know, a particular aspect of their of their experience. Perhaps the, the third culture kid trope, right, comes up a lot. And, and although that's an extremely valuable part of someone's identity, we would always want to make sure that there was something else uh, that was differentiating them, especially uh, if applying from a high school where they would be perhaps perceived as like most others in that applicant pool, perhaps most others also being or defining themselves as third culture kids. So just to give another example of of where that can come up in in the process and with different kinds of students. I I love your example of international students, which also was Part of my position too. I used to direct international admission as well. But I think that that brings in another nuance of this term of thinking about context of the high school. So we were talking about thinking about the idea of like many others in sort of the, the broader applicant pool, but this can also be really specific to a student's particular circumstance also. So whether it's high school, whether it's country or state area specific, um, you know, we see a lot of sort of similar activities depending on students' communities, and that can be a place where that terminology gets used. So I think that that's just really an excellent thing to point out. So thanks for adding that in. Yeah, thank you for highlighting that. I, I hadn't realized that that it's actually a, a, a dual context term, right? We're not just talking about like many others or most others in the applicant pool for the particular university where the student is applying, but also within their high school pool. So as I said, I had never heard the term LMO until this came up for this season. So I'd be really curious to hear where you first heard it, Kim, and how how you used it or how you heard it used during the application review process and how that could be helpful for students wanting to make sure that they are perceived as unique. Yeah, so I've been in sort of the broader field of college admissions since 2007 now, and I think in all of the various spaces that I've been on both the high school and the college side, I've heard some variation of this term. I'll be honest with you and tell you that LMO only came out in the last couple of years for me also. So it's not one that I've been using consistently for the last 
18 years or however many years that is now. Um, I don't want to do the math actually, but there always has been some variation of it. And I think one of the things to keep in mind also, as we're talking about these terms is they often might end up in committee conversations, like you said initially about this being kind of admission shorthand. So often it's going to be institution specific and sort of how an office might have developed their language and vernacular that they're able to share internally um, and sort of have that those common terms that make sense to their staff. But also I think it's important again to note that as we're reading applications, we're always mindful that we're reading humans. Um, and being really thoughtful about that. And that's something every place I've worked, we've done a lot of training on. And so these terms are used, as we've said, to really be have some distinction between applicants, but they're used in a way that is that is positive. You know, we do want to highlight the fact that a student might be like many others, but they have all these successes, you know? Um, like fine young person is one that I'd used much more recently in my career. And that was also one that we used to really acknowledge the fact that the students that we were reading have done phenomenal things. And so we would use that in a way to be like, yeah, okay, they're not necessarily standing out in our pool, but this is a fine young person. Like this is a really impressive person. Um, And so I think there's humanity in these terms also that maybe if you're reading about them on paper, doesn't feel like that, but the way that they're used in conversation and committee and in reading um, are actually done so in a positive way and to really acknowledge um, the humanity and the accomplishments of the students. And I think it is really important to just keep coming back to that, the idea that uh, within a highly selective applicant pool, um, the name of the game is is differentiation, right, and distinction and being able to easily, and really not easily, it's, it's a difficult process by nature, but being able to discern and categorize and uh, make decisions ultimately, right? And so these terms, if used... Uh, are just part of that, right? Helping, um, helping everyone involved in the applicant in the admissions process make those decisions by by acknowledging, you know, the strength and humanity of the student, but then also ultimately by being able to say, okay, maybe the student isn't X, Y, Z, right? So now we want to kind of bring these terms together. Why did we choose to discuss these terms together tonight? Is there a difference between flat and LMO? Yes, I absolutely believe that there is. For me, at least, it really comes between the difference of how a student presents in their application versus what the student profile looks like in the application. And so flat is about how it reads, about how the student might have chosen to engage with the essay topics or the supplemental essays, and perhaps losing some of the distinction and nuance within that part of the application, while LMO and standard strong and related terms is more about kind of their general profile, not necessarily standing out compared to the other peers within a highly selective context. So it's subtle, of course, and I think that there's plenty of overlap here, but that's at least in my head how I would use them when talking about different kinds of students. Right. Yes. I think you definitely hit the nail on the head. All right. And so then the second part of that question is how a student might avoid being flat or LMO. And this is a little bit of a trick question because at the end of the day, we we don't really want students to be focusing on how to avoid being this. We want them to focus on how to present their candidacy in the strongest way possible. Am I right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we both know certainly working with students right now in the high school context, but of course, having read um, on the college side too, and it really comes down to authentic preparation and also authentic presentation in the application. And so, yeah, these aren't terms that we want students to be thinking about per se, but it is important as you're preparing, you know, really and sharing what your story might be through the application to make sure that you're capturing as much as yourself as possible. So starting with the term flat, like I said, for me, it's about presentation. And so it is about taking a critical eye to how a student approaches all of the written elements within the application and so that they are truly highlighting not only their various accomplishments, but also the things that they're proud of in terms of their personal traits and some of those other intangible things as well. You know, we used the example before of the roommate essay, which I think is such a an excellent opportunity for students who are applying to schools that have a, a question like that, for them to really step away from being an academic in the application or to step away from really feeling like they have to be super polished by being able to show, you know, unique and different things about themselves. They're able to really be a student, be a 17-year-old student for that matter in those kinds of questions, and to let a little bit of those distinctive things about them, a little bit of a sparkle that's not something that you would normally get to share through an application shine through. So I think that that's, you know, finding ways to do that is the way to avoid sort of that, the flat or the soft term. I'll add to that, uh, to the roommate essay uh, example, because of course there, there are a finite number of schools that, that give that prompt. Uh, are the prompts that ask for a list of uh, reading material, what do students seek out as part of their um, art and literary consumption can be a really good way for students to highlight different aspects of their of their identity and their interests. Of course, it would make sense for a STEM student, say, to include whatever it is that correlate to, to their to their interests, so to science. But, you know, it would be very interesting if they also had interests completely, you know, as as Kim said, Kimberly said, um, that are that seem less polished because they are authentic and genuine because we as human beings are not one note by nature, right? So really allowing yourself as the applicant to let that additional note shine through um, in these different ways that some of these application supplements really give them those opportunities to highlight diverse, different aspects of their interests beyond the polished, academic, straightforward path. Okay, so what about LMO? Different ways um, to avoid that designation. Yeah, and this, you know, can take, I think, both a little bit of forethought, but also really just intentionally thinking about how to talk about your activities within an application also. So as I said before, for me, this is really about profile and about students having sort of similar ways that they've engaged both in the classroom and outside of the classroom. I love for a student to have found something that feels distinctive in how they have been able to explore their interests and their passions beyond what are structured activities that might be available to them within the school or their community? You mentioned the question that's asking about reading and yeah, how they're digesting information and where that might be coming from. And so this could be as simple as a student who is really well-read and who loves to dig into material on their own time about a subject of interest. That suddenly is 
a distinctive thing that they do that might be different from their peers. And so they might not be like many others because they're doing something that feels sort of above and beyond. I think it's interesting too, of course, over the last few years, we've had a lot of students who have referenced either YouTube creators or influencers or, you know, personalities that might be coming through on social media. And that's also something that's actually really healthy in a lot of ways, because those can be opportunities for students to get bite-sized pieces of information that also, again, relate to their interests and passions. And that could be something that's super easy to point out on an application that, again, is showing them going as above and beyond and can be a little bit different. There, of course, are bigger ways to do this. You know, we see students who do research projects or who might create something, whether it's tangible or an app online or something like that. And all of these are can be really distinctive activities and ways to differentiate yourself, but it doesn't have to be that big. So I think even just thinking about sort of the little ways that um, a student is doing something that's just different from the person that might be sitting next to them in homeroom is what we're talking about and what can really set somebody apart. Totally. Exactly. There, There's a big spectrum, a wide spectrum of, of what students can do. And it's always contextual and always dependent on so many different factors. All right. So we're coming down, winding down to the end of our conversation, but I just want to make sure our listeners are, are clear on the value of having uh, someone take a look at your at your materials uh, to get like an outside perspective on what it all looks like. And, and keeping in mind that you know, although each supplemental essay has its own life and is per- is doing its own thing and has its own purpose, uh, applications are of course read as a whole. So how each essay fits together with the common application personal statement, assuming it's a common app uh, application and with the rest of the student's application is really important, right? Sometimes I think when students are working on each individual essay, they might lose sight of that, that it's not just about how can I best answer this individual essay? Oh, well, my answer is computer science, for example, so that's what I'm going to write. Uh, forgetting that they should be thinking about how is this going to look like all together to make sure that I am presenting my full self and I'm not flat or like most others. So with that, (laughs) um, is there anything else you want to add, Kimberly, as we wrap up this discussion and uh, really make sure we've cracked the code? Yeah, I do also want to point out that there are a lot of really positive words that come out um, in our admission conversations as well. And so I think that these are really good ones for students to also think about during this process and how they can embody these terms too. So for example, a big one that I've always used is the idea of big fish, small pond. Um, And so this can be a student that just stands out in some way within their community. Maybe it's that they're a noted leader. Maybe it's that they're um, really known for being super collaborative within a classroom setting. Um, Or maybe it's even that they're you know, someone who takes on a lot of family responsibility. And so within sort of their small pond, there's someone who's doing something notable. We've used this sort of in passing during this conversation, but um, I've used the word sparkly a lot also in committee conversations and past institutions. And so we've talked about it in terms of just specific essays, perhaps that a student might have, but also in terms of a full application of just being like, oh, the student the student came alive, the student sparkled. And so I think that these are also terms that are important as students are crafting their applications rather than thinking about like, oh, how am I not flat or how am I not like most others? Instead, turn it to the positive. Think about like, how am I sparkling? How am I really showcasing the ways that I have have stood out? Because you have, I'm sure. 
Yes. And, um, you know, we do know that there are a lot of resources out there that students use to learn about the college application process. And so we know that these terms might come up and want to make sure that students understand how they're being thought about, how they're being discussed, um, and that they aren't being misconstrued. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for your expertise and for all of the really great examples and definitions that you gave. Thank you so much for having me, Dasha. Of course. So that just about wraps up this episode and this season of Just Admit It. Thanks so much for joining me as I chatted with other Ivy Wise counselors, cracking the code on college admissions lingo and terms. We'll be back in the spring with another season. So please don't forget about our feed. We'll be exploring another aspect of the wide world of college admissions, getting key insights and expert advice from Ivy Wise counselors, including me again as your host. So stay tuned. In the meantime, you can catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting our podcast page and be sure to bookmark our knowledge base for additional help with navigating the complex and competitive admissions process. If there are any topics you'd like us to cover in the next semester, please email us at podcast at ivywise.com. And don't forget to follow us on socials for more resources on the higher ed landscape. You can find us at follow ivywise. From IvyWise, I'm your host, Tasha, and this has been Just Admit It. See you next year.